1: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito Com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Com. Hello, friends. Welcome to Mav's Moneyball After Dark. This is Kirk Henderson, and today I'm joined by fellow editor Ben Zadel. How are we doing, Ben?
2: Doing good, Kirk. How are you doing?
1: I am okay. So we've been pumping out a fair amount of audio content recently. Uh, the most recent one up on the feed was one I recorded last week with Matt Moore about overs and unders and win totals, all sorts of stuff. And that was actually really fun. But you and I have been trying, you know, just due to life and things getting in the way we were going to reconvene to do our next round of player previews, but we needed them to, you know, go through our site first. And we have um, five more guys to talk about, which is Fun because I think some of these guys are kind of. We have a couple of guys that we're not going to have too much to say, and then three guys who are like real rotation to rotation potential players to where we should have some more to discuss than just like Jabale McGee, even though you know we ended up making it a pretty good, uh, you know, pretty lengthy podcast, anyways. Um, so let's just sort of jump right into it. So the first guy that we, we were going to talk about, he's on the roster. The Mavericks gave him a one-year deal. Why they gave him a one-year deal is something I think we're going to be talking about the further we get into the season. Uh, I don't entirely understand how this happened. You wrote about him. He was the Mavericks sort of vibes guy last year in Theo Pinson. So you wrote the player preview for this one, which was a labor of love to a degree. So why don't, why don't, <laughs> you, why don't you take the floor with this?
2: Yeah, I... One thing that interested me is I I don't think, I, at least, you know, I've been watching NBA really intensely for like the last 15 years at least. Um, I don't remember an instance like this where a guy um, went from like this end-of-the-bench uh, vibes curator, as we like to say, um, into an actual contract. That really never happens. Usually it's just a fun story at a, for a guy at the end of the bench on a playoff run just like the Mavericks had. Um, They usually don't give them contracts. So it's kind of weird that that happened. Um, Though, I guess the easy, easy thing to say is that, you know, they, they thought his contributions in the locker room and off the bench were enough to, to justify that contract. Plus the obvious lack of depth on the roster. Uh, There's for the third year in a row, there's just not a, a deep team, um, so uh, I, I guarantee if they had a little bit of a deeper roster, it would have been a tougher to justify having uh, Theo on the team. Uh, that being said, I mean, he does bring some of the, the uh, ostensibly bring some of the skills that they need. Um, he, he can, you know, score a little bit in theory. Um, he's He's got some of those tools. So I, I can see the idea. It's just, it seems really roster dependent. I mean to me, and
1: this is, you know, I it's never any of these guys' fault. Also, really terrible audio for me to start with my mic not in front of my mouth. So that is is probably slightly problematic for everyone. Realize that. Apologize, guys. Um I just don't know how to feel about it because I don't understand. He is in my kind of opinion, he's not really an NBA player at all. um and that's not like his fault. He didn't, you know, he, he, when you off, when you get offered to sign a contract, you, you go ahead and and, and pick it up. But right. it's just one of these things to where the NBA actually implemented rule changes specifically to deal with the things that he was doing on the Maverick bench. And so if you're mitigating the one thing the guy was bringing to the table in terms of, you know, standing up wearing, you know, you know like wearing specific colored clothing on the bench, like all sorts of kind of really hilarious, like trolly tactics. If if you can't do those things, then what are we on the team for? Yeah. Um, and maybe he is that valuable to what Dallas wants to do in terms of mood. Maybe he'll prove me wrong and get out there on the floor. It's just, he's never really had a three point shot. He doesn't really have like that one definable NBA skill where you go, oh, okay, that's why he's out there. And as we've been watching in these preseason games, we're sort of looking for someone to pop and he's just one of a number of guys who, who just, you know, he's, he's a, he's a bottom, you know, he's, he's one of the guys that's in the NBA. That's kind of, you know, one of the bottom 100 out of the 450 players in the league. And that's, you know, it's neither here nor there. It's just, it, 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 I just don't understand why they gave him a deal. Just, to be honest, other than the fact that he, he must've, you know, aged like aged out or whatever it was, they couldn't give him another two-way deal or something of that nature. Right.
2: Well, he's a very interesting, it, it, like, I, I guess, a microcosm of what they've been doing the last few years. Uh, they're they we've seen, they're really not interested in bringing in like a veteran on a one-year minimum, like a guy at the end of their, this career. Uh, like let's say Eric Bledsoe, nobody's, nobody's picked up Eric Bledsoe. You think, that they would rather a team that just went to the Western Conference Finals would rather have some even if they're kind of washed like Eric Bledsoe someone with some experience maybe they get a late career rejuvenation playing for a contract um, but they've completely gone away from that that was something they did you know in the, the that early decade after the championship when they were chasing guys like uh, Charlie a Darren Williams um, you know at at the end of their career and they just. And it, and it spanned not just Nico Harrison, but, um, you know, Donnie Nelson. Yeah, it's been 4. like 10
1: um. years of this sort of thing.
2: Yeah, it, it, so it's been, it's been a weird two- to three-year run of them just, you know, you would you would think with a team that is making deep playoff runs, you've won a few veterans on the end of the bench, and they've completely gone away from that. They're, they're not interested in that. Every uh, interesting one-year minimum vet that we've all kind of put forth, like, hey, what about this guy, what about this guy? There, I mean, it, it comes out quick that they're, they have no interest in it. So well, it's a really specific, weird.
1: I, I sort of think in this specific year, because they're paying luxury tax this year for the first time in a while, when you pay those veterans, it, it there's a multiplying factor because how long you've been in the league sets your minimum contract value Where you pay a guy like uh, a guy who's been in the league 10 years a significant amount more than you pay in a guy who's been in the league zero to one year. So I I honestly think that plays a part in this.
2: Well, I could be wrong. We'd have to talk with our MAB CBA guy. Uh, but I believe they only paid the luxury tax on that. Um, the minimum, minimum. Um, it's hard to explain because I'm not good at this. Again, CBA is not my thing. Um, but let's say the the one year minimum guy is two hundred thousand, and the ten year guy is eight hundred thousand. I think either way, they still only pay that luxury tax on the two hundred thousand. So I mm-hmm. think it really doesn't save them that much. I could be wrong again. That's something for our Mavs CBA guy no, to. We answer. may
1: we may have to follow up about that one because I'm yeah. a little curious because I I've just sort of thought this was something that that was that was a part but with Theo let's just sort of summarize it like this if he actually is playing minutes for the Mavericks then things have gone really awry
2: <laughs> things so. really bad or he has shocked everybody
1: right which would be nice but it's yeah. just it's, it's a hard it's a hard thing to, to sell um the next guy we want to talk about is one we've only seen play one game since January and that's Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, Matthew Phillips wrote this one and you know, Tim is a guy I kind of have a special special place in my heart for. He's a kind of player I think most people would assume that I would just sort of react poorly to, but I, I just find I found how he he was sort of the albatross as as part of the KP contract, and then turned himself around into such like a positive player for the team. And then when you know we signed this, he took a bit of a discount to stay with the Mavericks. We know what he was offered by New Orleans, and then we see what it, what a team like Miami plays for pace for a guy like tyler hero which is almost 13 to 14 million more a season than tim hardaway makes and i'm sitting here and looking at tim hardaway who is a 30 something shooter who is a pretty good athlete terrible defender but honestly has the ability has really great shot making ability and i think okay this is fine you know the tim tim will have a home with the mavericks um where i am kind of curious is how they fit him back into the team because the offense really started to take off right after he got hurt. Now, I don't relate that to him. It's just there's only so many shots to go around, and he's sort of a volume-based guy. So how they fit him into the offense and where he – you know, because he he did not – he might have had four good games all last year. You go look at that man's game log. It was brutal. He hit his season high in threes in the second game of the season, I believe. Like it was something really bleak. And he just never found footing. He never really found much consistency, and his three point shooting dropped by like a ridiculous percentage from the year prior. And to me, it was more a sign of comfort more than anything else. And uh, I just, I hope, I hope he finds what he had, you know, against the, uh, you know, with the Mavericks in his contract year, because the the Mavericks can honestly use him. Yes. Yeah,
2: so, w- what I was wondering with him was. You know, the unfortunate timing of that injury is in January was also about the time that everybody on the Mavericks who was struggling started to come around. We're talking about Dorian Finney-Smith and especially Reggie Bullock. They weren't shooting great early on in the season and then around January is when everybody started to coalesce. Who knows what? I mean, was that the the case of kind of figuring out how to live around Porzingis and then once he's traded, you know... I think he played a ton
1: of his minutes with Porzingis. Yeah, so...
2: And, and and it looked like early on last season that the kid and the coaching staff was asking more of these role players than they had been previously asked to do by Rick Carlisle and, and going backwards. So you know, did that get in their head? And then as we saw going through the season, they were asked to do less, you know, they were they weren't asked to, you know, drive with the ball like they were early in the season, plus they just got more comfort with kids' coaching style and the offense um so would would hardaway have done the same thing would his numbers have improved cuz his shooting numbers were uh, l- kind of like the what we were getting when he came over from new york that last season in new york it was pretty poor shooting um and so would he have rounded into form is my question you know who who can say but i would hope so um but either way even if um you'd like it to be more consistent but at least having that threat of a guy coming off the bench or starting maybe who knows um that could, at, you know, any point just erupt for 27 points because he goes like 7 of 11 uh, from the three-point line. You know, that that's a benefit, you know? Yeah,
1: Yeah, and, and the defensive element of what he can do or rather what he can figure out how to do is really important. Tim is, mm-hmm. is historically a terrible mm-hmm. defender and the Mavericks need him to be able to fit into their scheme in some way he doesn't have to be perfect but he can't be terrible yeah and it's really effort based and Tim plays hard so I think that if he can if they can sort of you know show him where it, it needs to be where he needs to be throughout the course of you know the first 30 games then maybe they can hammer together something for the second half of the year it depends kind of who he's playing with um that that's if he's coming off the bench with Spencer, Din, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie and Christian Wood maybe the Mavericks aren't that concerned about defense at all anyways <laughs> maybe right they're just going to be more going to be more scoring attuned and it may not matter because they just have these these players that are really big non-contributing factors on one end of the ball what has been one of them uh and and tim's another but it, you know both of those guys can absolutely fill up the basket too so maybe there's there's something there i'm i'm just i'm really looking forward to tim play though because yeah. it if they last year by the end of the playoffs it was so clear they needed another body that could do things and i think he's proven enough to where he could play 15 to 20 minutes in a playoff game and you're like confident that he can do something so he can
2: definitely score and that's you know he's he's
1: not a non-factor on that offensive end so that always helps yep well then the next guy we're gonna to pivot to is someone that Matt Gilroy wrote about, and and we've not seen him in preseason, mainly because he just he has these knee problems, which I think are just gonna be the mark of his rest of his career, is Davis Bertons. Um Davis was a really fun addition to the Mavericks last year. He plays so freaking hard. But if he's not healthy and he's not healthy right now. I'm a little worried about what that means for any sort of contribution because he's not quite good enough to be in the rotation. And that's likely for the best, but you still want a guy to be healthy. And if health is going to be, you know, his knee and knee effusion, I think is what they're calling the injury right now. Like that doesn't sound great. That's just kind of a lingering knee. You know, he played in the World Cup, which was good. But, you know, the the Latvia or... uh, here they got you know the he and uh uh, Chris Taps Porzingis got knocked out pretty early so it's you know I, I just I don't have strong feelings about his play other than I really got a kick out of watching him play in the same way I did with Tim Hardaway where it's just like when he's on fire it's it's really kind of horrifying,
2: <laughs> yeah, right.
1: Because it's just like it's like like the the old Nintendo Game Shark from when we were kids, where it's like, oh, there's just a cheat code on with this guy pulling forty foot jumpers just at will. Yeah, he might
2: be more useful in the postseason, honestly. And I know that sounds crazy. Um, just because of his lack of defense. I mean, I swear, I've never seen a guy so tall just get completely scored on uh, yeah. at the rim. Goran like go project mean, they,
1: turned him into Swiss cheese. Yeah,
2: they just go right into his like his chest, and he bounces off, and it's an easy layup. Uh, but what I mean by that in the playoffs, he he offers some roster flexibility, uh, much like I hate to compare everything to the 2011 finals, but the way Peja Stoyakovich, uh provided some shooting in one series, um it, you know, every now and then you just hit a certain series where a guy fits specifically for what you want to do for that series. And it's so, you know, he there you can always use a shooter on your team. So the the concern like you're talking about with the um the knee stuff, um, you know, for shooters, if you've got leg problems that can affect your shot, you know, because a lot of you know, so much of your shot comes from your legs. So that's that's a concern. But uh overall, like I said, I think he's more of a you know can help facilitate a trade if, if necessary well, his, he's going to be on,
1: I think he's going to be on the Mavericks for a while. Cause his contract is tough. They have three more years of, of Davis Bertons. like yeah. he has an additional year on top of whatever KP had. It was just a smaller bite at the apple, and you assume maybe down the line you could figure out something with it. But yeah, I honestly think they may just sort of have to deal with him and and the contract and and see what they can get. You know, he's a, seems to be a good vibes guy. I think his teammates seem to like him. Mean, he's just such a different looking player. Like he's got this big bushy red beard. <laughs> like teams tend to tend to underestimate him because of how he looks, and he's you know he, he had a couple like chase from behind blocks like he he's he's hilarious to watch cuz he might yeah. be the hardest running. I don't think he's the fastest player. Right. He might be the hardest running player in the NBA. So so I, I really enjoy that. Um the next guy we'll pivot to then is is sort of directly linked to somebody that we talked about earlier and that's that's Reggie Bullock who had a really rough 2021. And then by the end of January 2022 right around the time Tim Hardaway um Basically, you know, he he we lost him hardaway to a season ending injury. Bullock started to find his way and became a stalwart aspect of the offense and of the defense, wherein just ended up being huge for the Mavericks down the stretch. He found a shot. Uh, he was locked in on defense. And it's sort of hard to imagine the Mavericks without Reggie Bullock at this point. And I I I mentioned Tim Hardaway's volume earlier. I I he and Bullock each need like six plus threes a game to sort of have value and I just I'm gonna be the Mavericks have to figure out and get those shots for those guys because Bullock can if you go look at Bullock's box scores he has like a whole bunch of like one for four nights to start to start the the season last year and it's like what what is Dallas doing? And then yeah. it's it's like things turn around and and you know he he shot <laughs> who, who wrote did you write this one and Yeah, he, I wrote yeah, that one. You wrote this one. How in in January and February he just like he could not miss shooting yeah. like 42 and 45% from 3, he cooled down a little bit later in the year and then heated back up for the playoffs. I mean, I just don't know like I know what to expect from Bullock in that. There's going to be times when his shots not falling, but he will always play hard and he will always play good defense.
2: Yeah, and he's that threat on that three point line, which kind of matters more than actually hitting them sometimes. Because mm-hmm. um, if you, yeah, if you go January and February shooting 42, 45%, March, even if that falls off a little bit, I think he started hitting like 33 to 34% in March defense are still going to respect that based on the last couple of months. They're going to have yeah. the game, you know, that game film of like, oh, this guy's hitting, you know, they, they've got the stats too. So it was really weird that, you know, we, that was one of the things we went into last season, the first couple months thinking really weird that the Mavericks went out and got this guy. He really was one of, you know, a, a free agent acquisition for a need that they had. And it made sense for him to start. And then he didn't start. In fact, he, and he played really low minutes. I think it was like in like the low twenties, uh, like 23 minutes per game in that first couple months of the season. And it was really weird of like, Hey, last year, all we wanted was more wings. We need more wings that can shoot. We went out and signed a guy who can shoot and you're not playing them. It was really strange. Uh, and then, it, and it's like he, his play by the, by January and February, kid couldn't keep him off the court. Um, it, it was, you know, a really weird situation. That's why I titled the article, you know, he, he clawed his way into a starting spot. Um, because it looked like Kid at the beginning of the season did not trust him. I don't know why it was a really weird. I don't if they've crossed paths before some point, you know uh, in the past on, on another team, I'm not sure. Uh, but he just did not have that trust in Reggie Bullock or maybe it came through you know opening training camp last year. but now you, you I mean, we saw in the playoffs, uh, his, his minutes per game in the playoffs ended up being something kind of reasonable because of uh, the way the Golden State uh, series worked out. Um, I think he got down to, like, 37 or 38. But before that, I mean, he was averaging, like, 42 minutes per game. I mean, like, they could not take him off the court. Um, and so it's really crazy how he went from this, you know, I think starting, like, 12 games the first half of the season to basically being unable to get off the court. I mean, that you, you could see by the end of the playoff run that he and uh, Dorian Finney-Smith were just completely gassed. And, yep. and like and I said, it, it was because – uh, kid could not get his the type of play Bullock was providing anywhere else on the team.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think you know, if you look at the contract that he signed, he probably ended up being one of the best value deals in the league. He's got two years left at really unbelievable value compared to what a lot of three and D wings would end up getting. Yeah. I, 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 it's it's such a steal when you look back at it. I'm really I'm really glad he's a Maverick.
2: Huge bargain. Well, the- I,
1: yeah, I think
2: the only negative you would say is the dude
1: cannot drive to save his life i mean like i
2: i think it was like 88 percent of his shots or something like that were uh created or
1: by others you know sure sure well then there's the last guy we have to talk about and he's sort of been the the player du jour of of the preseason is is josh green i wrote this player preview and i wrote it before anything act before we saw any uh practice tape before we saw any fan jam before we saw any preseason game and i think i tried to be pretty even even about it but more or less josh green is is sort of if the mavericks are going to do something special this year it will be because josh green found a way to absorb some of the responsibilities and minutes that have been taken by players that need that that basically the, the mavericks need to find a way to rely on less um whether that be through point guard minutes for a few minutes a game, whether that be backup wing to, to Reggie Bullock, uh, uh and Dorian Finney Smith, there's, he needs to find some way to contribute regularly. Doesn't ha he doesn't have to play perfect, but he does have to matter. And I'm a little concerned, frankly. Uh, I'm a little concerned because we found out yesterday that the Mavericks are sort of, are might be considering Faku Camposo for their card. And a lot of people are, are basically Faku fans told me it's like, oh, he'd be great for the team. Well, I don't see it. I would much rather the Mavericks use Josh Green and put him into a little bit of a trial by fire and figure out if he is a functional basketball player in a way that they need him. I think he will probably be in the NBA for a, a several more years to come, at least, even if he doesn't work out this year, just because he's young enough and has the tools. Teams don't give up on tools. But to date, it just can't be understated how he's not put together any sort of consistent string of play. And it's not like there's this huge burden on him to do that. And it's just, it's, it's, it's such a mixed bag. I mean, I titled, I titled the post that I wrote, Josh Green is a Basketball Rorschach Test. And and it's, I don't know, I waxed and away in every day because I would, I would love it if Josh Green was actually amazing this year. And I don't have, you know, him forcing me to eat two years of, of crow would be really delightful because it means the Mavericks would be even better than they were last year. And right now in the preseason – I just find myself a little bit concerned. What do you think?
2: I, I'm like you in that I have this two years of negativity towards Josh Green. Um, he has not done anything in the last two years that you could say, here's, you know, we talked about it with Theo Pinson. What is the skill that he brings that you could say, He well, at least he has this one NBA skill, and I can't name one. Um, he's got a little bit of a shot, but it was on low, you know, he shot 35%, but that was on one attempt per game. That's hard to, you know, I can't take that seriously. He shot 39% from the corners. Uh, I mean, that's something it's, it's something that he can, you know, the Mavericks can use him out of him, but teams now have gotten way more sophisticated about taking away those corner three pointers, especially on a player like him, where there's not much of a threat of doing something else um his defense is you know he tries um no one's has said hey he's like a you know great defender at least um that that would be the biggest thing I could say about him is like hey the guy you can see when he's out there sometimes he's probably trying too hard um because it seems like sometimes he over you know overruns guys you know it's just you hate to fault a guy for like too much effort but that's really the only thing I could say about him is like I've never seen the dude take a playoff he he really gives it gives it his all I mean that's a cliche we say all no the time. But you can energy, tell he really does yeah.
1: their skills and yeah he's just got to find that thing and and that's why I was really you know I, I was at first sort of mortified but then I bought into the idea of him playing some backup guard minutes because he has shown some passing chops he does well the ball handling stuff, I think, is a little different and is going to take reps and, frankly, getting used to handling the rock under pressure. That's that's a thing that takes time. And uh, I just, I would love it if he if he somehow became a guy who ate. You know, if you look at the minutes distribution, it's kind of hard to figure out how many minutes he would actually need to play because the Mavericks have an eight man rotation right now, and he would sort of be one of the ninth. Like eighth, ninth guys. So it's not like he's going to be playing a ton of minutes, but the NBA season is long. We're not going to have, you know, you don't have your ideal lineup all the time. You're probably playing without one guy in your rotation, you know, one out of every three games. It's just sort of the nature of this stuff. So for him to be able to eat up 12 minutes here, 22 minutes there, 18 minutes here, and, and be a, you know, have a positive plus minus, you know, whether it's, uh, and you know also maybe hitting some shots and keeping defensive defenses honest that would be great i would love it it's just i don't see i've not seen enough yet um everybody got very excited about some sort of low stakes practices and things like that and then in the last preseason game when he got it actually time to play with the with the real guys he didn't really play that well um he had one cool alley-oop that he caught from J- Jaden. uh Hardy, and then the next play, he fell down, yeah. and so it's like the falling down, like the miscues with Green stand out so boldly sometimes, and it's not his fault. I hate to be—I don't feel negative about him. I just want—I want him to take that next step because he does have the athletic ability. It's to me, it's largely confidence and rep space. Well,
2: that's what I was gonna say. Is the concern for me is he's—I've never once seen him look comfortable. On a basketball court in the NBA. Uh, obviously I did not watch him play in college, so I don't know what he looked like. He didn't like look comfortable then. there either. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm not I'm mostly watch NBA. I don't drop in on college very often, but not once in an NBA game have I seen him look like, oh, even in garbage time, like he looks like I know what to do out here. And that and that was the case. He was really raw coming in, from what I understand, is you know, he had not played a lot of basketball coming into college even. Um, and that, and that's where, you know, you could talk about the Mavericks doing a disservice to him by drafting him into a situation where he was not going to get a ton of reps. Um, that's, you know, he would have probably benefited from a a tanking team, a team that was in the cellar that could just afford to put out a a young player like him and let him make mistake after mistake. Uh, the Mavericks are not in that case. The Mavericks are in a place where they're trying to win a lot of games every season and they can't afford too many mistakes from a, a guy in their rotation. So, you know, it's it, it's like I said, they they kind of did a disservice to him because he might actually be a serviceable NBA player sometime down the road. I don't know if that's going to be with the Dallas Mavericks, because, again, I've yet to see him. And maybe that changes this year. That would be awesome. Like you said, that where he actually looks like he's like, I belong out here with these guys. I belong on the court. Um, but so far, that's not been the case. And that's been my biggest uh, negative against him. And I know that sounds weird, but like, man, at some point I would like to see like, oh, you know, Josh Green belongs out there. We just need to get him a little bit more time. And and there was a point during the Phoenix series last year. I know they, they won that series, but he was playing out there. And just the way, you know, he was part of a playoff rotation. At, you know, he's at the very end of that rotation, but he was part of it. And he just did not look like he belonged out there with the other guys, on you know, on Phoenix or Dallas. And yep. that's where I kind of just lost it. I was like, you know, I'm not sure this
1: guy's ever going to fit here in Dallas.
2: Would love oh, to be proved wrong.
1: Yep. And, and hopefully we will this year. Hopefully we will, because that would mean, you know, a lot of, a lot of, good, a lot of winning basketball, which would, which would be delightful. Well, Ben, this has been fun. We talked about five more guys. I think that means we've got nine out of the way. And then there's a few more that we're going to be talking about after this. Uh, probably we'll wait to early next week, right before the season starts to cue that up. Um, you got anything else before we get out of Dodge?
2: No, uh, just one more preseason game, uh, and then we're, you know, to real stuff, we're excited. Right.
1: Well, guys, go ahead and go ahead and and check out MavsMoneyBall.com. I have to go rescue my wife from two barking dogs. Uh, Thanks so much for your time, and we will talk to you a little later in the week.
3: Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com.